All right. Hello, everybody. This is Jay Nathan. Welcome back to the Gang Grow Routine podcast. And we got a full house today. And first, welcome back, Jeff. It's great to see you on the podcast again. It's been Thank a while. You. Yes, it has. Um, you know, six weeks is, feels like a, a lifetime, um, but we're back and we're going to be, you know, putting out more uh, more episodes here soon. So I'm excited to do, get back and doing this. I've missed this part of my life. You know, I've, I started talking to our four month old and uh, he was <laughs> very, very uninterested in customer success topics. Well, I have definitely missed you. So I'm so glad you're back. And today we've got three special guests with us from Pendo. If you don't know who Pendo is, you need to climb out from under the rock you've been living under. But um, I don't know, Erica, what's the best way to describe Pendo? I'll let you do that real quickly and then we'll do intros. Hey putting me on the spot. <laughs> yeah. So we, our mission is to elevate uh, users experience with software. So whether you're, you know, using a B2B SaaS product, you're using your inter- internal tools. We really just want to make that experience enjoyable for all. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. So analytics for the product, product walkthroughs, a um, lot, lot of goodness there, but great, great company, fast growing company in my home state of North Carolina. So we've got Erica Aykroyd, we've got Charles Helms and Ryan Philpot all joining us today. And we're going to talk about scaled customer success, which these folks have put together a really amazing program around. Uh, but before we jump in, we always like to do a little icebreaker. So Erica, we'll start with you. The icebreaker question is, if you were on Jeopardy, what is the category that it comes up on the screen and you're just going to, you know, you're going to click in every time because you're going to crush that category. What's that category for you? Yeah, I'm going all the way with the friends. Uh, I trivia is um, that's my favorite TV show. I've seen it over 13 times all the way through. So the whole, I would definitely the whole series. Go with, oh yeah. Wow. You, you and my wife uh, could probably be good friends because uh, she probably hasn't seen it 13 times, but I mean, in the first years of our relationship, it was like the thing that was on in the background 24 seven, you know, if like, it was like the background noise of our, of our relationship. So um, I have subsequently seen every episode at least two or three times through. Yeah. Sometimes, it's my favorite show. Sometimes Christina calls Jeff Ross by accident. So. <laughs> yeah. All Smelly right, Charles, cow. how about you, Charles? Uh, I'm going to shout out North Carolina one more time because my answer would be amphibians of North Carolina. Uh, before my time in customer success, uh, I was in like environmental education. So if you need to know anything about any frog in North Carolina, it's pretty niche, but I'm your guy. That, uh, is very niche, but I love it. That's great. All right, Ryan, Ryan's coming to us on the West coast, right? Yeah. Just out here near San Francisco. Um, so yeah, huge sports fans, but anything sports related, um, out there on Jeopardy would be the you know category I'd probably tune in for and. You know, just be guessing. So yeah, that's, that's a big one for me. What's awesome. the sport of, what's your sport of choice? Definitely a big football fan, but love, you know, baseball, basketball, anything like that. So all stuff I enjoy. Very cool. All right, Jeff, not to leave you out. Which uh, what's the cat? I mean, I'll, I'll probably file, follow in the, the footsteps of Ryan. I'll, I'll try and be a little more specific. I think like I could probably nail a lot of early 2000s, uh, like sports history, sports trivia. Uh, when I was like, age 13 to 15, I was like the kid that was like missing bedtime and like waking up late for school because I stayed up until like midnight watching like a basketball game in my room and my mom, you know, would be mad at me. So I feel like I could uh, crush like that early 2000s uh, type of history. All right. That's good. Well, you turned out fine despite all those late <laughs> nights watching sports. So what mine, you, would, what mine would probably be like um, something having to do with music. So I don't know, like 70s, 80s, 90s, rock bands or something like that 
I will say there was that one time uh, we did go to a local establishment here in Charleston and we missed a lot of music questions. We missed a lot of music trivia questions. I didn't say so. I'd be great at it. Well, I guess that was the question, wasn't it? So I, I should have I said something I'd be great at. I really like that. How about that? So, all right, cool. Let's jump in. So the reason we wanted to have Erica, Charles, and Ryan on the call is to really talk about the Scaled Customer Success Program. Erica posted, uh, uh, put a post on LinkedIn a few weeks ago that talked about moving from a pooled customer success model to a scaled customer success model. So Erica, why don't we jump in there? Just... Talk to us a little bit about what that means for you and and how you sort of thought about that in that transition. Yeah, when when I joined the team, um, we had gone from a three person team down to a one person team um, of scale CSMs, and so it was really out of survival that we shifted and and really thought about what we were going to do because one person is not equal a pool. And also it was very tactical. It was this kind of like one-to-one round Robin kind of style of engagement. There was no real strategy. So, um, you know, we really just started pushing, uh, people to the community. We started pushing content, you know, content became King for us where, um, we just tried really hard to deflect as well through some one-to-many and some product led motions. So we, we wanted the scale CSM role to be less tactical, less kind of like, oh, just throw them over there in a queue and just let them answer the same questions over and over again. And we really wanted it to be more strategic to manage this large volume of customers so that we could you know, use the human resources where it would be the most efficient and effective. Yeah, it makes total sense. And so can you say how many customers are in this pooled or this scaled model? I think I can. Not, not I'll the say dollar for- amount, but... Yeah, yeah, no, I won't say that. Um, for the United States, we have about 1,700 customers in this quote scale, I'm doing air quotes, scale <laughs> segments. Um, and so what that means at Pendo is there is not a dedicated CSM. So we do have a group of customers that, um, you know, based off of our segmentation model, they do have a, a named or a dedicated CSM. Okay, and we've got Charles. Charles is is one of those CSM, or he is the scaled CSM, the scaled CSM right now for North America. For now, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So you've been handling all those accounts, Charles. Um, So I guess the, as you think about, well, first question I I had for you relative to that is, were you doing support kind of activities with this, with this pooled model or, or, or was it separate from support and more really more strategic in nature? And so, like, even before we sort of transitioned from the more pooled to now the scaled experience, we were working kind of in line with support. Um, and there was sort of this delineation there, like they were handling like break fix stuff. And I was handling sort of uh, more like any sort of like success questions or how to questions or things like that. And I think that uh, and like Ryan was there with me kind of in the beginning, our our daily life was really just trying to churn through like a queue full of questions, but then also just open availability to calls at at, at sort of the request of whenever you needed it. Um, that's what was happening. Uh, and even during that experience, we we just found ourselves like having the same call over and over and over again. And it was just like, it was for me as a CSM, it was a breath of fresh air. Like as we sort of made the strategic decision to move to sort of more one-to-many like content forms. Like one of the things that we've got is this sort of like new user overview that we put together. And that's something that Ryan and I, I 
this is just a guess, Ryan, but I would bet we did that call like five times a week each for like a new person at a new company. And it has like made sort of my day-to-day life as a CSM so much more enriching to be able to just know that like this is out there. We do it sort of once a month now. The recording's available for anybody in between. And I get to do so much more sort of strategic thinking and sort of like what's next up on the plate and like collaborating with Ryan, our program manager, about like how do I fit in as a human to like the the endpoint of the programs that he's putting together. Um, I don't know. That's That's been the big change for me is that we've moved much more from that feeling very much like uh, – acting like a support function to like a more strategic sort of CS thinker on a day-to-day basis. And I think just to chime in on that as well, um, you know, it's like Charles and I would have those conversations a lot, right? Either in, you know, kind of like support tickets that would come in or like calls that we were having with customers. But the thing that I was always struck by is like, you're, you're getting the customers to raise their hand in those circumstances, right? It's like, you're basically getting people that are, you know, like wanting to be successful with Pendo and they're trying to reach out to like a person to like get them, you know, to success, right? But I think what we missed out on in a lot of cases is advertising that more broadly to our customers, mm. right? It's like you're missing out on like those more silent customers that maybe just like they logged in, they were confused, and then they just never logged back in. And so we're able to, you know, with the content that Charles is creating, we're able to like distribute that more broadly and just bring those conversations that should be happening all over our customer base, like to everyone as opposed to just like a handful of accounts. So one one uh, question too, kind of in this realm around um you know, I think a lot of times there's, there's a, um, the, the, co- the companies get scared when you, when, especially internally, right. When you start saying things like, Hey, we're going to transition and not every customer is going to have a name CSM, right. Internally, we all start going, Oh my gosh, I can already tell all the customers are going to be so upset. Like they're going to be so mad that we're taking away a CSM. Yeah. And so how did you navigate that messaging to like internally to say, Hey, it doesn't mean they're getting a less experience, right. It means that we're just distributing information to them in a different way. And then also, how do you, how did you go externally with that message to customers to say, Hey, this is the model that we're going with. Here's how you have um, resources at your, your fingertips. Especially ones that had a CSM before that might've known your name and your email address. Mm-hmm. It is an ongoing process. I will say, um, because when I came onto the scale group, I, I joined in May that was what it was where it was just like, Oh, it's just kind of your, you go into the ether of a pooled model and there aren't really a lot of strategic conversations that you can have on a regular basis. And so it was a lot of internal kind of like pushing and, you know, good thing that our, you know, our senior CS leadership was totally on board and they were really pushing, you know, for, for us to get more product led. I mean, we're very lucky that we have a product where we can actually communicate to users at scale. So we try to leverage the the digital engagements in a human way. And so we went around to sales, professional services, you know, our all of our counterparts, product, everyone, and just said, like, here's the new scale. And we followed it up with data. You know, it's like this is how we're doing things. Um, this is why we're doing things. And we basically are just trying to recreate what a human would do, but in a digital or a one-to-many way. And so, yeah, we looked, like Charles said, I think 60% of our inbound tickets were about, hey, I'm a new user and I need training. And we saw a 30% reduction in tickets in the first two months of starting those webinars. And we just cranked them out. Charles was doing them every other week because we knew, like, this is it. This is the thing that people need. And 
So if you're listening to your customers, if you're looking at data, it's really easy to know kind of like where to start. What, what strikes me most about what you all have just said is, Charles, if you were doing five of those calls per week, just for a new user onboarding, that's what, 250 a year, if my math is right. And so you have 1700 customers, you're still not touching everybody. And that's a massive amount of time to spend. So with that in mind, how do you now think about with, with some of these programs that you've developed, how do you think about measuring those? Do you look at total engagement pro- across all the customers or number of contacts that come into those accounts ha- or into those programs? How do you, how do you measure it now? Yeah, we're looking at like activities, goals that roll up or KPIs that roll up to our goal. So ultimately we're still measured on retention. And so the activities that we do and the leading indicators of that hopefully are going to lead to that lagging indicator of retention. So we're looking at product engagement. We are looking at community engagement. Um, We look at, you know, risk factors. We do have like a health score and things like that. So we're trying to get ahead of it as much as we can. And so, you know, we can see who went through our programs and then we can kind of do an analysis later of like, how did that impact, uh, you know, their product engagement? Is it keeping them in the product longer? Are they um, looking at our critical events to adoption faster because, you know, we have a new onboarding guide now. Um, And I think one of the biggest challenges in scale was when you don't talk to people regularly, you don't really know what they're trying to do. And our previous onboarding experience was very general. And we actually didn't have a lot of, it was, it was good. It was very high level, but it wasn't giving us, especially in scale, the specific data that we needed to say, this user is trying to do this. And so we need to show them, you know, follow-up inspiration emails, or we need to show them how to do that in the product. And, um, I think that's really helped us kind of leverage data to then inform our future risk programs and a lot of our um, educational type of content as well. Ryan, for you, you know, when you think about uh, being a program manager, you know, I think, um, I think there's a lot of different ways you can do that. And I think a lot of times people might get confused, right? Are you, are you emailing? Are you building email programs? Are you, um, you know, building content? Are you, uh, you know, what, so uh, maybe at a purview, just kind of give your, uh, you know, how do you see your role? How does it kind of fit in the org and and the types of things that you get to work on? Um, And then um, once you do that, I've got a follow-up question, but go do that first. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I would say, you know, it's it's kind of interesting coming from that scale CSM background where it's like I kind of got the before picture of what it looked like and then not getting to like step out of that and just kind of have more of a bird's eye view, I would say. Um, so, you know, like previously, it's like a lot of working on like the same thing, managing calls, managing tickets, but kind of stepping out of that, I've been able to kind of just take a look at the full customer lifecycle, right? And so it's, it's taking a look at like what data do we have available to us to like act on some of these things? What resources do we have? Because I think a big part of this was we had some really great resources, but it's like, were we effectively distributing those um, in like all these different channels, right? So I think it's like, you know, to answer your question, it's a a combination of both like email in product guides, basically any tool that we have to communicate with the customer, right? Like, so, you know, being, you know, like working at Pendo, one of the awesome things of like the program manager role is we get to use some of those in product guides that, you know, like set expectations with customers, like surface resources for them, like at the right time. And we also have really awesome data, you know, in uh, like our Pendo snippet that comes from there. Um, and so basically we can look at things like first visit, like when did a customer first come in or when was like their last visit? So these are all things that we can basically just use to say, okay, do we want to like, you know, give this experience to new users or maybe we want to look at the user that's been inact- inactive and we want to kind of like 
encourage them to come back into the product. So I would say it's a combination of like, you know, email and product guides, the data that we have available, and then those resources that we have existing. So Charles has been awesome in creating a lot of our resources for the scale team. And then I'm kind of like supercharging those a little bit with like, you know, just some of these programs and communicating those out to our customers. Um, that's what I, that's what I was hoping you'd answer. Right. So I think it's like, you're, you're almost at this intersection of like, you have an eye into the data so you can kind of see, okay, what are, what are some of the trends and some of the higher level things that we're seeing? Um, you kind of understand the resources that you have available kind of human as well as like content and other types of, of things. So you're kind of like mixing those two things together to figure out, okay, based on the data, based on the content we have today, or, you know, resources that we have, how do we distribute that out to customers? Um, so how do you, how do you keep track of that? Right. I think there's this idea of a customer journey, which I think people are all over, right? Because I think at the end of the day, it's like, okay, once we build the customer journey, it's already old. It doesn't actually, and it never really operates that way. Um, and then you also had, well, there's some real-time triggers, you know, somebody does something, it automatically triggers, but then also we have time-based things. And so it's like, there's never really been this, this great way to do it. So how do you, how do you kind of keep track of like, you know, let's just say one of the executives come over and say, Hey, what, Ryan, what are the programs that we're running? How, how are we doing this? Um, is there like a visual way you've done that? Or is there a way that you can kind of present back to the org that says, Hey, here are the things that we're doing to help impact customers. Yeah, definitely. So I think, you know, just from a high level, um, we've definitely let the data kind of guide where we go um, to start. And I think one of the, you know, apparent like areas for us was just like onboarding, right? Because I think when you start an onboarding, you have the whole rest of the customer's life cycle to kind of like impact their experiences, right? And you're able to, you know, for us, we were able to collect data up front um, for our customers. So uh, we have this term that we uh, call PBOs, uh, positive business outcome. And so we were able to start collecting what an individual user wants to do in, you know, like, uh, in Pendo, right? So we were able to say at your user level, instead of just like a whole company goal, like how do we make this more useful for you? And so we're able to basically send other emails off of that, other guides, like present, you know, the right kind of education for them. So I think onboarding was definitely, um, you know, something that we saw a need for because, you know, like we just weren't, I guess, maybe giving enough um, attention to some of those users in the onboarding experience at times. Um, and then to answer the other part of the question, so just like looking at just how we map this out. Um, so, you know, we've had some teams that are just taking a look at like at a high level, what are we offering customers in this life cycle? Are there kind of like, you know, the the standard touch points that are going to go to everyone and then the, the more reactive pieces? Because, you know, I think like it's great to build something that it's like, okay, this is the ideal version. Um, and, you know, everyone's going to hit these points, but we all know that customers are going to like use your products, you know, like differently. And then some aren't going to use it, you know, the way that you want them to. So I think it's building in those like triggers and touch points where you can basically say, if somebody doesn't use this correctly, how are we helping them get back on the right path? Um, so I think like, you know, we've used like a, a tool called Miro um, here and there to kind of like try and help visualize some of these things and just like the, the touch points that we have out there. And then we can use that to basically identify some of the gaps that we want to like work on next. So. I was joking with Charles the other day that I feel like 90% of my job is just building out decks and like creating like slide decks to like educate and inform people about what we're doing and putting in, you know, metrics and results and so it's just like this constant like i don't know education tour that champion. i feel like i'm really? on but it's super fun yeah like i'm championing championing what we're doing and it's a lot of fun but i mean i do other stuff other than slide decks for <laughs> if my boss ends up listening to this but it's critical right to what we do and to, to ryan's point like we it kind of worked out and in how it all unfolded where we started with onboarding and then it just kind of set the course for all right, how do we, once we know what someone's trying to do, then how do we make sure that we, they stay on the happy path? And I always joke, like having a CSM is great. No shame in being a CSM, you know, like I was a CSM and I did enterprise, but like 
programs are very reliable. You know, you're relying a lot on human error when you've got someone who's dedicated to a book of business and maybe they miss it. And so that's why I'm just like so passionate about these like automations and these triggers and the programs as it relates to scale, because everyone could benefit from like someone just going, Hey, by the way, this is a problem because humans can, can miss it. You've got too much, too much on your plate, but a machine it's always there. It's always reliable. That, that is a really great point. I think what you see in the industry is a lot of people have created the customer success model the other way around first, because it's just natural tendency, right? I have very high dollar customers. I need to assign someone to them to take care of them. And I have none of this underneath it. None of these programs that y'all are talking about right now underneath that you said something, well, in, in it, the reality is it puts them at risk and it puts them at risk for one big reason, which is CSMs turnover. And in this environment, we've actually seen a lot of our customer contacts turnover, probably more mm-hmm. so than I've ever seen in my career. And when people are leaving and that that's what these relationships are based on and you have no programmatic elements underneath it, then all of a sudden you're at much greater risk because you don't have a, I hate to say this this way, but you don't have a relationship at the brand level with your customers. Mm-hmm. They just, they know a person. So yeah. I, I think that, that, that piles the risk up a little bit. Yeah. And like you have a large company, let's say like, there's definitely a need for CSMs. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I'm not saying totally. anybody should go out there and <laughs> not have CSMs. Fire all, C- I'll fire all CSMs. You heard it here first. Don't do it. Um, but That's, we need to cut that. That's the part we'll cut. Cut that out. Yeah, yeah. But for these large enterprise customers, you know, you're really dealing with three people, right? Usually it's your champion. Um, it's the people who are in their day to day, really driving um, the initiatives. And then you've got like an executive sponsor or, you know, hire. And so all these other people that are using the product, these 300 maybe plus people that are using the product. Well, what about them? You know, like you need an experience for them because that enterprise CSM is not going to get on a call and do new user training over and over and over with these new people. When, like you said, there's turnover, so-and-so added new people. We want more and more users. It's just, we need a way to to onboard them in a, in a scalable and efficient way, because we're not going through the onboarding over and over again with these people. Have you seen the, the benefits of your programs pay off at any other tiers of the customer? Cause you, this is a scaled team, but what about your enterprise customers? I have to imagine they get value out of this as well. Oh, they love it. They're so happy to have it. And, you know, we, we do a lot of prioritization even, you know, with our larger customers too, where, you know, you, you can't peanut butter spread your time across all your customers. So every quarter they really look hard at their book of business and they decide which customers are we really going to target for like risk expansion, you know, whatever the case may be. And then the, the customers that maybe are kind of just in like that nurture state or they're kind of like status quo, they're good to go. There's not really a ton going on. They feel comfortable kind of like letting them chill, letting them coast a little bit, knowing that we do have these because the, the no login risk program that we launched this week, like that's for everybody. And so they can rest assured, know that we're going to be automatically emailing one of their customers. If they don't log in, you know, they don't have a login in 30 days. And then if it gets to a certain point, that's when we alert them. So it's like, you just focus on what you need to do and we'll hit you up when you need to know, because there's already so much going on in the CSM's world. So they're super excited. All of the new user onboarding that we created, that all goes to them. The webinars, we, I feel like the majority of our webinars are, um, 
attended by enterprise customers because they're the ones that have so many users and they don't want to train all their new users either. So they just like send them over to the webinar or they send them to the community. Um, the, the, the funny part that I was just thinking about is that, uh, you know, I have, I haven't been here for six weeks, so I haven't logged in. So I'm expecting a, a message soon. Um, I'll be expecting whatever, <laughs> you know, prompt or email from, um, from you as a Pendo user. So, um, I'll be keeping an eye out for that. <laughs> um, we got to log, you got to keep logging in though. I will. I'm going to. Um, uh, Brian, when you, you know, when you think about some of these programs that you're building as well, I think Eric had mentioned it maybe earlier, you kind of went from, we'll call it like two programs to eight programs. And so how, how do you think about um, prioritizing those programs and kind of putting some of the, the data behind that says, hey, this is the one we should be focused on now. And, and here's kind of, I always think about these as experiments, right? I think in some cases, we need to come with a hypothesis that says, hey, we think we can go run this new user onboarding. We think it can cut down 30% of the tickets. And so how do you think about, um, hey, we went from two to eight programs, but how did you know that those were the right programs? Or how did you focus on you know the ones that you did build? Yeah, I think you, you brought up the right word in experimentation. I think that's like going face light up. Was that we that. planted it maybe? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I would say like one of the big things for us when we started this is obviously like, like I said, we wanted to have the data kind of lead the way of like the areas that we should focus. Um, and so one of the exercises that um, Erica put together that I really loved uh, was with our data team. And they basically just kind of like brought these interesting data points um, around our customer base. And we just spent a whole session just like brainstorming around them. Like, what are different things that we could do for these? What are different experiments that we could run? Um, and so we came out of that meeting with like a lot of like really great ideas. We were able to, you know, get backing from the data team, just kind of like know where we should focus. And then we kind of like let our brains run wild of just like, what are the things that we could do here? Just like no bad ideas type thing. Um, and so since that time, we basically spent the next few quarters just like prioritizing a few different experiments that we wanted to run based on the data, what it was telling us. Um, and so that's kind of the mentality that our team had, like, you know, since that moment forward, we, you know, are obviously running these programs, like we can measure the success and like failures of them, like adjust them as needed. Um, and, you know, a lot of them have been like awesome, but like, I just love our team's mentality of just continued experimentation. Like, let's just keep turning over every stone. Like we have, you know, like different resources that we could like provide to customers. We have different channels that we can message them through. And so I think like, it's kind of funny, a lot of our team meetings uh, are spent just like, ripping on different ideas and like saying, okay, like we saw this from like our, you know, like data this week, like what could we do with this? You know, like, let's talk about like how we can roll these things out. So I think experimentation is the big thing. And then just like once something does kind of like uh, reach maybe like a more mature stage where we recognize that it's, you know, like beneficial and it's working well for us, that's when we can start to like ladder some of these things up to, you know, our named CSMs and help make them more efficient. We can, you know, kind of like, it's a proof of concept that we can, We've seen it be successful in scale. And then we can basically say like, this could help you be more efficient in these ways. And a lot of the times, like Erica mentioned, they're like excited about that because they kind of streamlines the process a little bit. Is there an example of a program you've launched and then killed because it didn't work out? I was just thinking about that. <laughs> Wait, I, I was thinking about the the install webinar. That was... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, we put we had... a good effort forward and we advertised it and we were we thought we had the right group of people and uh we had maybe four accounts show up. There were more there were more people from Pendo on that call than there were <laughs> clients who needed to install and it was and we did it and I it 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 happened and we realized that that was not necessarily like the avenue uh, mm -hmm. because it, uh, for whatever reason, if you had not installed, uh, apparently that was not a big enough of a 
lift to get you to then come to one of our webinars <laughs> to to talk about this installation. Uh, so, uh, that, yeah, that's to, it. to put that's that in perspective, all of our other webinars that Charles does has at least 100 people, 100 accounts, like wow. not even internal. Like, I mean, I'm telling you, like 50% attendance rate. So we were like, all right, what else can we do? And it was like a major fail. Um, but it, we learned and we were like, yeah. never again. We have the content on the community and that's where it stays. And yeah, the other one that Ryan with uh, the yeah. email. Yeah, go ahead. You talk about oh, that. Just one other point on the webinar stuff real quick. Um, I, I think one cool like learning to come out of that was like, we started with that new user overview and that was like very successful. Like we saw a lot of customers attending that and it's obviously something that we want to continue to run. Um, but I think out of that, like some of our more technical groups, like saw what we were doing and they were like, Oh, we want to do that too. And so, you know, like mm -hmm. as CSM, Charles and I used to book calls with uh, our CSEs, we, uh, our customer success engineers, and we would, you know, like lean on them a lot for like the more technical aspects, like using Pendo and like, you know, using the API and different things like that. And so they were feeling the same things that we were of just like, you know, we're hopping on all these calls and like, it's, you know, just a handful of people and it's, it's really tough to, you know, kind of like be successful that way, I think. Mm -hmm. And they were able to scale out their webinars as well. And those have been super successful too. And so it's like, we now have this like library of content on a rotating basis where we can like direct people that maybe you're a new user. And it's like, maybe you're using Pendo at a more basic level, or maybe you're in the advanced class. And like, you, you just want to go do like all the awesome things that you can do with Pendo on like a really technical level. So I think that's been like a really exciting, you know, kind of like outcome from those webinars and Charles kind of like kicking that whole process off. So. Mm -hmm. Charles, so this is a really, for anybody who's a CSM that'll, that'll listen to this podcast, they're going to want to know what is it like to go from being a CSM doing one call at a time to now running <laughs> webinars with a hundred people on, that's a big shift, man. <laughs> so talk, yeah. Talk to us about how, how you made that transition. Well, I will say the very first New Year's webinar I did, I, I must have been talking at like at least 500 words a minute because I got in there and realized that no one was going to talk back. Like I, I started talking, I was like, no one's going to, no one's talking back. That's, and that's how webinars work. <laughs> and uh, so like the, but the, the transition really hasn't been like, the, the thing is that the content is just so similar and like the what you what you will find that you are conveying to folks is is not different than that that call that you're getting on every week and you're like all right i've got to do like yeah. take a deep breath like i've got to, i've got two of these this week like what you're conveying is the exact same thing and uh the and just to reiterate what ryan was saying about some of our technical counterparts like having those technical pieces recorded and even having the webinars that i run recorded is just like deflection gold and even if it's in the like if there are conversations that i am having one-to-one -one with the client I, I can name just so few scenarios where I'm not like just including this recording saying like, hey, this is a great overview that will prepare you for a detailed conversation that you are going to have with a person. Um, so whether it's like if you're nervous about doing a webinar, just get in a Zoom room by yourself and just talk to yourself. And that is what it will be like. You'll be fine. And, and like <laughs> your your schedule will Thank you so greatly that oh, any anxiety imagine. you're having about it will be eliminated. <laughs> you'll have, Jeff, you'll, the you only can... problem is you'll have more time to worry about it. Yeah. Jeff, <laughs> well, yeah, you mentioned but... earlier um, about um, customers being upset that they don't have a CSM anymore. And that's definitely something that I like. It's it's something that a lot of people talk to me about at Pendemonium after our um, presentation. And 
They're like, how do you make sure people don't get mad? And it, and the answer is like, you can't, you can't make sure you can't like fully say like, nobody's going to get mad at you because you are going to have some customers that are like, Oh, I'm really disappointed. But I think the biggest thing is having the content. If you try to do this and you try to not do like a pooled and let's say you really are like deflecting, um, you know, tickets. And if you don't have the resources for people, then you're going to have some pissed off customers. And the reason why I felt like this group could handle it is because we had the content and we had the resources and we had a community. It was kind of just sitting there and Molly, you know, who was supposed to be um, on the podcast, Molly was hired to be the community program manager. And so I knew, you know, like we're going to have somebody spinning this up. We just have to teach customers that this is the new way to get help. And if anything, it's better because the, the knowledge lives now in a shared community it's not living in a silo, like Ryan said earlier, and customers just need a, to learn a new way. And once you kind of show them like, hey, you know, when we do transitions or if it's a new customer, you know, sales has to be armed with that information. Um, we try to tell people, here are all the resources that are available to you. And once you tell them, like, they're like, oh, Oh, okay, cool. And we always try, if we are answering a question, right, Charles, we will send a link to the community or a link to the help article and try to teach people how to fish for themselves. Because at the end of the day, like, I don't think people really want to have to talk to somebody to figure out how to use a product. They want to figure it out themselves. They just don't know how to do it. And so we're just essentially creating that awareness to all of the resources available to them. Yeah, and I'll yeah, just kind of like tag on to that a little bit as well. I think like it's kind of a funny experience, like, you know, um, meeting with other CSMs at times, right? Like for me, like if I know that I can talk to a CSM, I'm not necessarily going to like comb through our documentation and like exhaust every like resource that's out there because I can just go ask the person. And I think like in a funny way, it's like taking away that resource at times does allow your other resources to become more effective where it's like they can watch this webinar. We're like, we're creating multiple like, you know, different layers of content where it's like, maybe you learn through videos, maybe you learn through an article, maybe you learn through like a hands-on course or something like that. Um, but I think like it does make those other resources more effective. And it's like, okay, like as a user, I now know that like, okay, I'm not going to talk to a person necessarily, but I do have the things that my disposal to make me successful, kind of like Erica was saying. So. And Jeff, we created a success plan, like digital success plan course. And I know that's very near and dear to your heart. And so we we really do just talk a lot about like, what what would a CSM do in this situation? Oh, they'd create a success plan. Cool. We're going to create a digital success plan and walk a customer through how to build a success plan. What are the metrics? Here are some examples. Here's a template to use. And we have that course on our academy. So whether you are a scale customer or you're an enterprise customer and, you, and you know, you're someone who's not day-to-day -day talking to the CSM, you have access to that knowledge. There's literally no reason why a CSM should have access to that knowledge and them alone. It should be shared across everybody. You just have to want to do it. <laughs> That's the, the problem. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, like the, and the, like the mindset shift, I know Charles, you kind of mentioned this, right? Hey, we're doing one to many, we're doing some webinars and Ryan, everyone's kind of have mentioned this, but just to like reiterate the point, you know, like the, the things that I feel like customer success teams are not prepared for or have been behind the times on is that content is now in a way that like, it's not just a 5,000 word blog. It's, you know, hey, we can write a help article, we can write, we can show a video, we can have, we can then have a webinar that we break down into smaller videos, we can have a podcast, we can have um, a guide, we can have in product, right? There's so many avenues to go down that 
and, and you can actually like do all of those things to make sure you cover your bases and you can kind of say, Hey, pick your poison. Like if you want an in-product guide, we have that. If you want to go look at a step-by-step on a help article, we have that too. And I just think that that's where we've been. Um, I think in an industry or like profession, we've all been behind the times on because we've just said, well, I've needed to get in front of the customer one-on-one in order to explain mm-hmm. this. It's just too hard, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, they have too many dependencies and other things in their instance. And it's like, well, you can really knock it out 80 to 90% and you can then cut down, you know, the amount of exactly. intake that you're actually getting. So um, that's where, I mean, I think you all have done a great job of, you know, putting these pieces together to say, Hey, let's get a program manager to help architect this. Then let's get, you know, a scaled CSM to help with the content and help with, um, you know, making sure we can put together these different mediums. And then let's get a community manager to make sure that we can, um, you know, push that in a, in a channel and make sure that we can address that, um, at a scaled way. Yeah. And now that, you know, we've got a lot of the content, we've got a lot of the programs running, we're able to focus Charles on you know, the, the risk and the expansion and the conversations with sales and getting super aligned with them. Like yeah. before we were like, uh-uh, don't talk to us because we literally do not have the capacity. And they were great at being like, yeah, we get it. Um, you know, we'll handle it. But their roles are not to be customer success managers. And there is a time and a place for somebody to come in and have a value conversation or a strategic conversation or to just be looking out and going, hey, this customer's red and they're X amount of dollars and the renewal is in the next quarter. Like I'm going after them. And that's really what we're trying to do is like rolling the CSMs into these kind of temporary strategic engagements and then rolling them back out. Mm -hmm. So there's a need for these really strategic CSMs. And that's another kind of like myth that I want to bust is that scale CSMs are not strategic and they're not, you know, having high value conversations because at Pendo they are. And so we almost have to be more strategic because we might only get one, two, three calls versus, Oh, I messed up that monthly cadence call. I'll fix it later or something like that. Like you get one chance usually. Um, and so you do have to kind of like know what you're talking about. And Charles has saved a lot of the revenue. Um, and anytime you can tie it back to revenue, we just point it right back to Charles. <laughs> and for me, I think that's a really a really exciting new data point that we didn't have the fine tuning on before because we were just we've gone from the stage where we're just looking at like all the data, and now that yeah. we've got some of these more limited engagements that are more strategic, having the capacity to take a look at what's going on here is like my hope is that it's going to fuel the next round of programs that like we put out and like just like hop on that flywheel between me and Ryan of like all right this is what we're observing this is what we can do about it and then get that 20 percent down to like the 15 percent, and then the 15 percent down to like the 10 percent, and just keep honing stuff and that's like it's exciting just as a csm well i i think yeah go back to the strategic thing i think a team like this is more strategic than an enterprise CSM team. And that's no no slight against enterprise CSMs. They have to be strategic on an account by account basis. But when you think about how you're um, catering to the needs of 1700 customers at once, that takes a lot of forethought. And, and the other piece that sticks out for me is knowing your customers. Charles, you just hit on it. You have to have some of those conversations so that you know where the pain points are and the problems to solve are so that you can solve them at scale. And to your point, you don't stop having those conversations. You continue having them because there's always new things to uncover. At some point, you'll launch a new product and it'll blow everything up, right? And you'll have to start all over again. <laughs> I mean, but but that's what happens. And so knowing your customer is so critical, but we're, we're running out of time here. So I want to leave you with one last question. What advice would you give to people who are sort of on that maybe that pulled hamster wheel or the one-to-one hamster wheel right now, what's the best way to go about 
just starting to do things a different way, a more strategic way like you've done? I would just say to keep the customer's experience at the center of it. Because when you start to have a pooled model or two queues, it, it turns into a really bad customer experience. And if you're trying to solve for something internally, um, whatever your business needs are, I, I think it's important. And this is why customer success exists is to really think at the heart of things, like what is best for the customer. Um, and so I, my other advice is like, don't, I would take some, you know, customers that are maybe like mid-market or enterprise or look to people who really like doing webinars or programs and find people within your organization. Maybe it's marketing. If you don't have a scale CS team and kind of put the pieces together, because having that historical knowledge of your customers and then some of like the marketing or, you know, the, the CS background, that is why I think this team is so successful because, you know, we had Ryan who was a CSM and became a program manager and Charles is an, is an amazing CSM. And so he's able to carry the load um, in a way that I don't think anybody really could if they really weren't customer focused. I'm also going to, uh, I'm just going to, well, I'm going to like circumvent your answer. Cause I think there's also something that we didn't talk about a lot, but that you've mentioned that I think is probably the critical step that a lot of people miss, which is uh, you all went to the data team and you guys had that brainstorming session to start with, right? You kind of said, what data do we have available? How do we get our hands on it? Is it in the right place? Are there things that are measurable? And I think that's a that's a big part that teams need to get a grasp on first too as well, which is like, we can't just go run scale programs. Like we need to have some sort of basis um, and understanding um, or else the business is gonna look at it and say, okay, that's cool, you're running a bunch of programs, but I have no idea who it's impacting, right? And so I think that's the other piece that I just heard interspersed throughout the story you guys told today was um, was that you know data was at the, at the kind of forefront of it. And then you use that along the way to help prove the journey. Yeah. Data and content. <laughs> yep. You're talking Jeff's language now. Well, y'all, this, this is awesome. Um, really appreciate you taking the time to share your story um, and what you're doing. It really is an inspiration. And I know it will be to many people who listen to this because everybody right now is being asked to do more with less or more with the same as we go into 2023. I, I I'm seeing it. I'm sure you all are as well, but uh, this is a, this is a really good approach and I look forward to, to letting the world hear this and, um, and see what kind of feedback we get from it. So um, where could folks go to find you if they want to want to follow up on on this and, and hear more? Erica, LinkedIn, LinkedIn. Yeah, find Thanks. me on LinkedIn. Always happy to connect. There's also a, a scale um, monthly networking group. So if somebody wants to get involved in that, just reach out to me on LinkedIn and I'm happy to include you. Oh, awesome. Yeah, and I'd say same for me, LinkedIn as well. Um, so yeah, feel free to reach out, connect. We'd love to chat. Awesome. And Charles gave us a thumbs up there too. So, yep. Got my thumbs up there. Find me there. All right, y'all. It's great to meet y'all and uh, keep up the good work and we'll talk soon. Awesome. Thanks guys. Thank you. Hey everybody. Jay here. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You know, this started as a labor of love for Jeff and I a couple of years ago, and it's really turned into a movement around customer success and community. And we couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it. Uh, we grow this by word of mouth. So we'd, we'd love it if you're willing and you find value in what you hear on this podcast, leave us a rating or a review on, on Apple podcasts or Spotify. It'll help us grow and, and provide value to more customer success professionals. All 
Also, if you haven't yet, please sign up for Gain, Grow, Retain, the online community. It's gaingrowretain.com. You can meet other people, make one-on-one connections, share ideas, get ideas, grow your career ultimately. Um, be on the lookout also for live events, both in-person and virtual this year. We're excited to get back to that. And thanks for being part of the community. We look forward to talking to you soon. Mm-hmm.